Join myself and Jason at MicroConf 2011, June 6 and 7 in Las Vegas. For more information, go to microconf.com and enter in TechZing to get $100 off a ticket. Welcome to episode 131 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. On today's show, we're talking to Guy Nurpaz, co-founder and CEO of Tatango.com. Hi, Guy, and welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. So, Guy, what exactly is Tatango? To put it in, in, in very simple terms, Tatango helps uh, SaaS companies understand their customers by uh, looking at what they're doing and uh, gaining insights on their customers. Sometimes it's fun to hear the backstory first before we get too into the product itself. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came up with the idea and how you got started? Yeah, sure. So uh, around, uh, around a year and a half ago, my uh, co-founder and I, Omar Gottlieb, uh, we've, uh, we've decided that we want to do something together. And uh, it was obvious that we want to do something uh, with SaaS. And I came from a background where uh, I started to build platform as a service, Within Gigaspaces, I was back there, uh, the head of uh, engineering, and I had many discussions with uh, with the customers who were looking for help in migration into SaaS, and I was trying to understand, you know, why is it so common that uh, uh, businesses and customers are looking for uh, um, assistance in moving to SaaS, and and I got this feedback that their customers uh, requesting them to. Uh, uh, to provide a SaaS offering, a uh, subscription-based offering. So, uh, you know, we sat down and we thought, well, SaaS is happening and it's going to happen big time. Let's do something about that. Um, and what really changes? So one of the things that we've learned is that uh, not only, uh, you know, building a SaaS solution is, is difficult technically with all the multi-tenancy and performance requirements and so forth, uh, it also changes dramatically the way companies are actually doing business and uh, their interaction model with their customers. As uh, once, once companies have a SaaS offering, most of the interaction their customers have with, with them as companies is through the service itself. So, you know, SaaS and, and, and web applications are all promoting self-service and uh, a much larger volume of, of customers. However, on the other hand, it's, it's very important for the SaaS businesses to really understand the customers and, and tune the service they're providing so customer will be happy and, and keep paying them on a, on a monthly basis. So, you know, this, this was essentially the, 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 the beginning uh, of our thinking. And we, and we then, you know, we're true advocates of uh, Lean Startup. So we actually went uh, and interviewed over 50 companies to really understand, is, 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 are these assumptions really true? Is it really a pain? Is it something that uh, is being done differently? And, and luckily for us, we, we, we did hear that, yes, um, it changes everything. You do, uh, they do different, um, they have different interaction models with their customers uh, where the self-service, the, uh, the web presence drives a different mode of interaction where uh, customers are actually getting most of what they need um, by themselves, and the business needs to cater that without really knowing where the customers are at their process of evaluating the product or 
uh, usage of the product and so forth. So we started by the name of SaaS Pulse, which was let's build this pulse of uh, how customers are using your SaaS. And from then on, we turned uh, just a few months ago to, to Tango, which is around um, you know, the dance, being in step with your customers. This is right. Well, why did you change the name? I mean, SaaS Pulse seems like a pretty, you know, pretty good name as well. Yeah, and, and we, we actually really like that. And, uh, you know, I came with the name, so it was very difficult for me to uh, give it away. But uh, we've learned that uh, many businesses do not see themselves as SaaS, and SaaS as a, as a term is not really well defined. Mm, uh, right. Because for some, for companies who were switching for, from the old model of, uh, uh, of uh, on-premise deployments, then SaaS was you know, the right name. However, uh, new companies which were born um, you know, just recently, they see themselves as web applications. So they don't see themselves as SaaS. And, and users specifically, uh, and young users, don't, uh, don't necessarily uh, you know, treat uh, the services that they're using as software as a service. These are just web services they're consuming. So SaaS was a little bit um, confusing and we didn't want to... Um, you know, argue with the market. So talking about uh, young young uh, consumers of your product, um, I guess you're talking about and thinking about startups there, but one of the, one of the email um, communications that we had, you let me know the price range of the product, which is sort of in the $200 is the lowest price point, and then it goes up. I'm wondering how does that gel with the, the kind of younger users and the startups? How does that price point work? Yeah, so we actually haven't announced uh, really a price point. Uh, the company we uh, you know just from uh, uh, where we stand right now, we've start we've launched uh, a private beta uh, around September of last year. Um, by December, we had more than fifteen customers using the product, uh, and by now we have um, more than thirty customers using the product. So we're just gonna go out of private beta uh, within a few weeks into a public beta, and we'll do the announcement around. Uh, the offering, uh, and we are not ready to announce uh, pricing yet. However, um, we will work with our customers. It's not going to be a free service, and we will work with our customers during the uh, public beta to you know come up with the right pricing model, which uh, makes sense. So that's that's going to be hard because, um, well, just I mean maybe for you it'll be easy, but just from my perspective, I'm I'm thinking right. If I'm ta- if I'm building a company that's targeting enterprise customers and it's also targeting startup customers, you know how am I going to find that happy medium? Yeah, so uh, I think one of the you know advantages of, of building a SaaS company is that, uh, and we see that in many of our customers, you have many uh, tiers of customers within your customer base. You have enterprise customers, you have young companies, and you have you know, maturing and growing companies and so forth. And, and the trick is to find uh, this scalable uh, pricing model, which makes sense. I see. So, uh, for example, um, you know, we, we at Totango, we are a young company. We have uh, around 10 people right now, and we're actually hiring more. But uh, uh, we, have, we don't have any servers within Totango. Everything is either cloud on, on Amazon or we use a software as a service. And we started with, you know, uh, um, products, SaaS solutions, which uh, we were at their free tier. And when we grew up a little bit further with size and, and the number of people, we went into the small tiers and we were growing into upper tiers. So 
you know, many SaaS companies uh, realize that and they are building scalable models into their, um, into their offering. And we are going to do the same, the same thing. So we may, you know, offer something free for startups or offer something free for one user, two users. And from then on, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost based on the value you're getting from our service. It sounds like um, if you've got 10 people working for you, it sounds like you're not a boots. Well, you may be a bootstrapping, but it sounds like you've got some kind of funding going on. We, uh, you know, we're, we're not a bootstrap. Uh, we're not a bootstrap stop, startup. We, we, we do, um, you know, uh, work by the concept of lean startup. And lean startup doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be bootstrap. Uh, we got seed funding uh, initially from Gemini in Israel, and we recently... Uh, also completed a series A of funding from another uh, venture capital, and we're going to announce that in, in a couple of weeks. So uh, um, so we're not bootstrapping in the sense that we have no uh, funding. However, we do work by the concepts of lean startup as we have very short milestones. We release very early and we work. Uh, uh, we do customer development with our uh, customers and tweak both the product and uh, and the uh, uh, roadmap and also the expenses based on our progress. So luckily for us, uh, we we got trust from uh, two major VCs uh, and, and they're backing us, but uh, doesn't mean that, you know, we're spending everything all uh, at the same time. Well, wh- well what did you, um, what did you have before you received uh, funding? I mean, did you come in with an idea and get seed funding based on that in a prototype? Or did you have something working with customers validating it? How far along did you get before you yeah. uh, actually had to, before you actually had the conversation about funding? Yeah. Uh, so before we got seed funding, we actually had, uh, we documented 50 discussions with 50 potential customers. This is what we had. And we went with uh, this articulation to, uh, uh, to several VCs, and we actually had a competition on the deal, and we got the funding. Uh, we are a company which really believes that uh, you know the most important thing is to find the market and find the customers who are going to uh, uh, use your service and, and get value out of that. And we don't believe that you can do that without really talking with customers and you know trying to get the, the, the true understanding of what's their problem, how painful it is, and what really needs to be solved in order for them to appreciate what you're building. So, you know, we've, we've done this uh, from the beginning, from day one, and, and by that we got the, the initial funding. So how, how much funding did you get in your, in your first round, your seed round? So our seed round was $800,000, 800K. Wow, that's a pretty big seed round. That's almost yeah. That's, that's almost like, going to say that's almost like a Series A, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and we actually, uh, you know, we we actually built. Uh, we haven't spent even half of that before we uh, completed a, a round A. I have a web app called Plugio, and if I integrate um, to Tango into Plugio, can I be sure that it, it's? I'm guessing the integration is pretty deep. Um, well, I guess we should. First of all, ask about the integration. What is the integration process like? And then we'll talk about it. Will it slow down Plugio or not? Yeah, and also let's 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 explain a little bit about the product. But <laughs> oh yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, but but the integration is pretty straightforward. It's very similar to other integrations that are available out there. Uh, we provide a URL 
uh, and there are four parameters on the URL that you need to send us, which are, you know, we basically track activities. It's important to say we track what we call meaningful business activities. So we feel that if you want to really understand your customers, you need to uh, see which value they're getting or not getting from your service. So for this reason, we track what they're doing in terms of um, meaningful activities. So we track users, their company, if, if, if we're selling to, uh, uh, if our customer is selling to businesses, uh, what is the activity and which module this activity relates to. So just a very quick example, if I would have tracked Google Docs, I would uh, uh, instrument the open documents, save document, train document, share document, and so forth. Obviously, each of those activities has different sentiment, uh, which correlates with the level of value that uh, um, users are getting from the service. So in, in our previous example, uh, users who are sharing documents within Google Docs are really getting that and are more committed versus the ones who are reading once a day something which was shared with them or others who are just you know writing um, their check uh, balance sheet once once a week. So the way users interact with the service really reflects to how much value they're getting out of that. Uh, it, obviously, it also depends on where they're at in their buying uh, decision processes. And we reflect that to our customers. This is what they need to know in order to engage in the right way with their uh, customers. Coming back to your question of what does it mean to integrate? So you just need to send us this URL uh, each time your customer or your users are doing meaningful business activities, which you have decided to uh, instrument. So uh, we obviously provide uh, also a JavaScript library but our, the integration could be done from the client side, service side. We have uh, two of our customers already created uh, two GitHub projects, one for jQuery, which uh, that, uh, wraps our API, one in Ruby, which wraps our API, which is called uh, um, um, Rubango, something like that. The developer was creative. Um, so... Um, so uh, because of the level of abstraction that we track uh, activities, which are not technical activities, we don't track page views or clicks, uh, initial integration doesn't require more than five to 10 activities to integrate. And from our, um, our experience with our current customer base, it doesn't take technically more than, let's say, 60 minutes. Um, the challenge there is the deployment, but... Um, um, but this obviously depends on the uh, on the, the engineering processes each uh, organization has, and <clears throat> because many businesses, the SaaS businesses are switching or gradually switching to continuous deployment models, then it it becomes a non-issue over time. So, can you give me insight into something like this customer looks like they're about to cancel? Can you give that kind of insight? And, and if you can, how do you determine it? This is a great question, uh, um, and I'll answer that, um, you know, I'll try to answer that uh, in a step-by-step. Step. Uh, the first thing that our product provides is what we call activity streams. So you you are able to see in real time what users are doing on your service um, as it happens. So this gives you just, you know, a layer of visibility, which you don't have if you're, you know, not looking at your logs or um, doing something uh, similar. Then when we accumulate this information over time and with your help as a user to uh, define sentiments on the activities, 
we we start to create usage profiles based on what you know what customers are doing. So, for example, if this customer that you've uh, described uh, had this profile of doing, let's say, ten types of activities per day, and suddenly it doesn't, then this may be an indication that something is happening. It's not necessarily that it is happening, but uh, it is an indication you may want to look at that. Or if this specific customer is exporting all of their contacts from your uh, SaaS CRM, it's another indication. You want to take a look at that. Uh, and this, uh, you know, and, and these types of uh, 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 indications help you as a, as a service owner um, to uh, to keep track of your customers and uh, be proactive about their behavior. It, it doesn't have to be just you know churn incident like you've described. It could be also that a, a customer is trying to you know get on board with your service and and is stuck, is unable to or doesn't see the new features, new modules that you have in your application, and you may want to you know invite them to a webinar or know, shoot them an email with a video of the new feature, how to get along with that, and, and so forth. So it, it, it is much wider than, you know, just churn prevention, but it's all about understanding. So do you have a page where I can look at one customer and see how what percentage of coverage they've used of my product? Certainly, yeah. You, you already so, have that, do you? Yeah, we do. We call this the customer details page, and, and we have that within our uh, service, and, and soon enough we'll also... Uh, have this integrated into salesforce.com. Um, basically, it shows you the, you know, what customers have been doing, what this specific customer has been doing, if this customer has other users in it, who are the users, what have they been doing, which modules have they touched, which activities they're they are doing, and what was the recent activity from this uh, account. This gives a very deep insight onto a specific, uh, a specific customers and users. Do you have rules and triggers so that if if a customer, for example, stops coming to the system, that basically it, it triggers a rule which can then ping an API on my site so that I send them an email or something like that? Yeah, we do have that. We have uh, several uh, capabilities of filtering uh, and grouping customer based on uh, on their uh, behavior. It could be a positive behavior or a negative behavior. And we have row API right now, like exactly what you said, which uh, uh, triggers events and emails and so forth. And we're also building many more integrations. For example, we're building integration to uh, support systems like Zendesk, which will automatically open a ticket and, and will uh, notify person that you know something bad is happening or uh, indicate within Salesforce and, or within your Yammer or whatever. Cool. There's an interesting post you had in your blog uh, entitled Lean Startups Are Not About Learning. And uh, you mentioned in there that Eric Reese um, has a definition for measuring progress at a startup. And his definition is validated learning about customers. And your response to that is that, or criticism of that is that if you follow that definition, you spend too much time learning and not enough actually getting to where you need to be, which is, I guess, earning revenue. And your definition is uh, for progress of a startup is validated value delivered to customers. And I was wondering if you could maybe expand on that and talk us through your, your thinking. Yeah, I, I think at least in my, my experience, in our experience, is that uh, 
you know when when things are actually uh you know at least in in our in in our type of uh of business where it's uh we sell to other businesses it's not just you know you know whether something works or not or you know what doesn't work you need to uh actually make sure that customers are getting value out of um out of, out of your your service so uh i i would say that um in many businesses that we work with the services are are rather complex they're not that that trivial and in order for um uh for for them to understand whether their customers are getting value they need to actually look over time whether customers they need to validate that customers are getting value otherwise they're gonna they're gonna churn they're gonna leave they're not gonna continue paying money for something they don't really understand how to you know get uh get value out of so so we feel that you know the fact that um uh someone is um you know signing up your service is just not enough they are they should sign up and and then they should spend time with your service and and build something or get value and you need to track that and and really understand which value they're getting in order to make the, the right adjustments make sure that um, they're uh, um, uh, they, they will remain within your service they will refer other to your service and, and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, the beauty of the SaaS model is that you can't actually do that. You can't actually follow behavior if you build it into your system. And, and I, I guess it's easy to um, keep putting that off where you're like, well, that's going to take a lot of work um, to build in tracking information. And so what you end up doing is just kind of flying blind and say, signed up. I agree. And, I totally uh, agree. I think they logged in you I know, think w- five days ago or 10 days ago on average. But that's pretty limited. I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with you. I I, I think uh, um, initially you, you just don't do that, and then when you start spending money on marketing and trying to get people onto your site, it becomes very important to really understand where they're at, that their evaluation process, for example, for you know SaaS companies who who uh, provide uh, um, trial versions of their of their service. And so this is when we find that services start to build something on their own because they know that they can have this information. However, they don't really know what to track, at what level, what granularity, and, and most importantly, how to um, you know, create meaning out of that and push that into the hands of the right people who make decisions. In this case, it's sales. Um, so um, you know, it becomes a, a, constant, uh, a constant friction between uh, sales operations and engineering to uh, create more reports and more views and more information and you know and and it is never you know the information that is being needed by the the sales team and and it is always you know clunky reports which are not telling the right story at the right time and so forth that so this this is exactly the void that we're getting in and what we're suggesting is uh, this promise within SaaS that you will have control over. You know, you will know what your customers are doing because they they actually doing this on your system will help you do that. We know how to do that. This is exactly what we're focused in, and we'll deliver that into the hands of the of the right people at the right time. How many customers would you need before um, Tatango became gave you kind of valuable and useful information? I mean, would it give you valuable information if you just had one customer, or do you need you know do you need to have more? Like, what's the minimum? 
You need three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so it depends. It, it depends on on which value you're trying to get out out of the tango. Even with a single customer, you still would like to know what they're doing. However, if it's a single customer, you can you know pick up the phone and try to get them and right. and, and talk to them. However, when it becomes tens and hundreds and thousands of customers, even even ten customers, then it becomes you know pretty difficult to really understand what they're, what they're doing. You're not going to you know um, call them every day to ask them, yeah, what have you done on our service yesterday, and did you like that? Because customers are getting annoyed. I I, I also wanted to emphasize that um, customers are not uh, at this age. They, they don't want you to interact with them if they don't need you to interact with them. And when you interact with them as a business, they expect you to understand their history and what they've done and so forth. You know, how many times did you get this email uh, from a SaaS company that your trial will end uh, today, you should buy. However, you have you know, just signed up once 30 days ago and never touched this service again. You know, I feel pity for this, uh, these uh, salespeople. I feel pity for these uh, businesses who spend so much resources to interact with um, customers who are not really engaged with them. And these customers are, are not thinking highly of, uh, or potential customers are not thinking highly of these businesses who interact with them without really uh, you know, knowing the context of the interaction. It seems so you know, inappropriate. So then could I do something like query to Tango's database and say, give me all the customers who've done more than, I don't know, 20 actions within my system. And these are the guys. So they're they're like within a certain bandwidth. So they've done 20 actions, but they haven't done, you know, 500 actions. So I know they're not fully into the system. They're just a little bit. And then send them out an email. Is is that kind of thing possible? Yeah, sure. We we call this, uh, we have this capability of filtering based on, uh, Number of activities, types of activity, when was the first, last activity, number of active users within the same organization. Uh, we have uh, labeling and tagging mechanism and, and so forth. So you can build those customer profiling lists and uh, or custom filters and send those uh, uh, potential customers an email. Uh, we also working on a very uh, um, new and exciting uh, feature, which will come up probably within the next few weeks, which is... Um, what have you known? What is the profile of customers who became uh, paying customers? Yeah, well, this, is, right. this is very interesting, right? So, uh, however, you know, if you know, for example, that let's say that I, I run a project management SaaS and I know that people who've created more than 25 projects and have three users and uh, um, assigned three tasks or 30 tasks to be more accurate, at the end of the trial, they, they will buy. Well, this is this is good. However, it, it's not that helpful. So what I would like to do is to understand, okay, how did these customers look like on their first three days and how the, the others, and how did they look like on their first seven days and apply that to the current customers that I have in my pipeline. And this uh, helps me understand which are, which ones, uh, which of the customers within my pipeline are currently on track and which are not on track and, and then I need to do something about that. For example, like, like the example you've mentioned, send them an email which recommends them to do something to get them back on track based on you know, the, where, where they're at. 
Okay, so in, with regard to the actual function of sending them an email, what would the process be? Would the process be I click a button within Tango and they get an email, or would the process be I click a button in Tango and I get an exported list that I then have to import to some email program? I mean, what's the general process that you envision? Yeah, so c- currently it's it's the latter. However, uh, we do work on integration with uh, uh, mail systems like Mailchimp and others uh so we will uh, we uh we will do some of the integration ourselves and for others we are uh these lists are available also through in a uh, uh web api so you don't have to do the export you just can do the web query and get that into something else and we will we want to open that and and to enable others to uh, build some more integration in, into uh those uh, capabilities so is it tracked by user ID or is it tracked by user email? What You said there was four parameters. Sorry, I've, I've forgotten what the four. Is one, is one of them user ID or is it user email or how does that work? This is uh, a unique user identifier that you can relate to. Probably an email would, would make, make sense because then you don't have to kind of do you know, multiple lookups. Yeah, so some some uh, some customers of ours use uh, their user ID within their system. Some use customer email. Most most businesses are switching now to email anyway as the user identifier. So it, it is more common that it's uh, that it's email. But we don't main, mandate uh, anything. It's as long as you know how to distinguish uh, and what does it mean. We don't um, we don't really uh, we don't really uh, impose anything. One thing I'd like to understand is how do you integrate? I mean, what type of APIs do you have available, and how hard is it to integrate with uh, Tatango? Um, so, as I said before, um, uh, to start working with Tatango means that first you make a decision that you want to sign up with Tatango, which is obvious. Mm-hmm. Then you define the activities, uh, and we provide this uh, tool to define the activities that which you want to track and we provide you with some com- uh, kind of recommendation to make sure that you're you know, tracking the right things. And then someone from the technical side, it could be a web developer, it could be an engineer, um, uh, integrates or uses our API to send us uh, events each time your user, it's a little bit complex here, but your user uh, uh, were, uh does this activity so just a very quick, quick example if someone logs in then you need to send us uh, an event which says this someone logged in um and, and that's it and th- this is there this is all there's to it to the to the actual integration front-end event or back-end event and when which do you recommend we recommend whatever is more uh, is simpler for you i mean what i guess what i'm wondering do you track stuff like you know, browser agent and IP and all all that stuff. And I'm guessing if it's on the back end, you can't track that stuff. Whereas if it's on the front end, you've got full access to all that stuff. So right, right, we do, we do track user agent, we do track uh, IPs, geolocation, and so forth. But uh, but it's not mandatory. Uh, and uh, you know, we're not building uh, a replacement for Google Analytics. So I see. you may you may have this already in, in Google Analytics. We are trying to really understand customers and not, you know, trends of bulks of customers and which, you know, pages they, they've been in. It's, it's more about what value individual customers are getting from your service and, and which are not. So, so it, it may be, um, you know, we feel that it may be more appropriate to applications and web services 
would be a little bit less appropriate to uh, content sites um, because there are other very good alternatives. So with, with Plugio, I have literally hundreds of different actions that people can do. Um, and, but you've been talking about just monitoring 10 actions. So how, how does that work? I mean, do I just log, is it just like log in, log out, or do I also log things like post a tweet or view the schedule queue? I mean, what's the limitations there? No, th- there are no limitations. I, I was referring, I mean, the, te- the, the 10 is, you know, we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, stick to, uh, this is just a best practice, right? Uh, we're trying to say something like, um, you know, how many features do you have? Probably you don't have hundreds of features in your product. You have tens of features in your product. You track usage of features, right? Post a, uh, um, post a, uh, uh, um, uh, um, comment or, and also log in, log out and, and things like that. But, but you know, whatever, whatever you think makes sense. Obviously there is no, there's no limitation. There's no restriction. What, what we see is that businesses usually start with um, eight to ten activities and they increase that over time. You can always you can always mute activities which are irrelevant anymore. So, you know, there's no, there's no need to worry about that. There is no, uh, currently there are no limits in capacity. There are no limits in, uh, uh, it, it doesn't really affect the behavior of your service. So one thing that'd be interesting to find out is, you know, you spent, uh, a lot of time up front trying to analyze the market. And what I'd be curious about are one is one, what misconceptions do you have uh, that you that you really changed after you talked to the customers? And then what misconceptions do you have after you talked to customers and thought you understood it and then you didn't understand until you'd started delivering a product? Uh, this is an excellent question because we were under the assumption that we really don't understand anything until we have the product in the hands of the customer. So our first product release was actually two months after we started coding. You know, we had basically nothing, but it was already within the hands of the customers. So, uh, however, we still, uh, we learned a lot and, and, uh, during the process, uh, uh, for example, let me give you just a very recent a learning that we've uh, we've had is that if we're um, trying to create value also to uh, sales uh, reps, the information, most of the information that sales reps need should be in Salesforce.com. This is this is where they live. They they live within their inbox, their email inbox, Salesforce, and their um, telephone. So. Um, you know, we need to make sure that the information goes there. Their management not necessarily lives just in in, uh, in in Salesforce, but for the sales reps, if it's not in Salesforce, it it really doesn't exist. Very difficult to get the, the information there. So, for this reason, we are we have built uh, the Salesforce application, uh, which our customers can install their Salesforce.com application uh, uh, installation. So. Uh, this is just a, a good example. We were under the assumption that, you know, if the data is good enough, they will d- make the effort and, and, you know, log into our dashboard and, you know, view their customers. Well, it doesn't really happen. And how have you guys eaten your own dog food? And in the sense that, I mean, applying to Tango to Tango, I mean, has have you been able to glean a lot of, uh, of insights using your own product? I mean, I know you guys, it's still early on for you guys, and you're you're not actually... It's not a full release, right? I mean, you're not charging people yet. Is that right? You're still sort of in a beta period? Yeah, we're not charging yet. But uh, yeah, cer- certainly we're looking 
we're constantly looking at, at Tutango to understand Tutango customers. And, and we're also improving the way we uh, present information so, uh, so it makes sense. For, for example, as a CEO of a startup, I have many things on my plate that I need to deal with. So even I don't log in into Tutango every, every hour. So we made sure that, you know, summary of the information gets by email. And, and and gets to your iPhone or, or whatever you, or uh, uh, things like that. In addition, we also learned that, for example, let me give you a very quick example that we had this. Um, the product started with the activity stream and the dashboard, and um, you know customers really liked that and, and they were very happy. But um, it was okay, but it, it wasn't great. And then. Uh, or in our product uh, owner um, started to create those reports uh, manually and send them by email and we saw some traction uh, because he was putting also the tracking uh, uh, beacon on, on our emails and uh, he crafted something with PHP because this, is, this was the language the programming language he was familiar with uh, still he's a product not, not a programmer and uh, from then on he built an entire reporting system in three days which, uh, and we learned through the Tango that uh, once the reporting started to uh, appear on a daily basis, the number of users per organization increased by um, almost 300%, and the level within the organization increased as well. So uh, it wasn't only uh, mid-level users of our service, it also, uh, uh, the service was used by upper management as well. So this way, we realize that reporting is so critical that you know, we need to uh, focus on that as well. And we learned that through our service and, and not through any, any other mean. Very interesting. And so do you have also, I'm guessing, like great products like Gecko Board and things like that, is, is it easy to get the data, the live data from Tatango into Gecko Board? Sure. Awesome. Um, Every time I ask you a question, you're like, yeah, sure, we do that already. This is great, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to sell too much, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I do a little bit, but uh, because I want, you know, other people to be happy with our product. But the way we designed it from the beginning, and I guess it, it has something to do with my background as, you know, head of engineering, is that our user interface uses our API. It doesn't have a special API, to, you know, just for our user interface. It's, it's the same API that the user interface uses that, you know, we expect other to use. So this means that we're building the APIs, we are building functionality into the product. So you can integrate uh, into our service um, through Gecko Board or other uh, tools that display information. Uh, it, it was designed from, from day one, for, and for this reason, it's, it's available. So that's a great way to do it. So you could uh, potentially have you know, independent um, iPhone app developers, Android app developers building against your API and, and showing, showing stats to Tango stats. We, we haven't announced our, I mean, our API is available, but it's not, you know, I would say that it's, it's in alpha mode. It's not, it's not right. even in beta mode. We, you know, as, as someone who's developed API for a living for quite some time, you know, I really understand that we need to, um, you know, um, uh, iron the APIs a little bit further before we can publicly release them and get the community to build things on that. But this is definitely on our very short-term roadmap in terms that we want to iron the API, make sure security is applied correctly, and start and announce you know, competitions around that and so forth, and encourage people to build user interfaces 
various user interfaces on this um, on this API. Just out of curiosity, will you be building a REST API or will you be building something a bit more uh, of your own making? No, no, it is a REST API. It is REST, okay. Yeah, I, I, I truly believe it has to be as standard as possible. We are looking around at you know, all the APIs um, out there and trying to you know find some kind of a... Um, similarity to things that uh, uh, exist. So, for example, our streaming API is very similar to Twitter API. So, it's not going to be too difficult to take the to take clients that you know know how to work with Twitter uh, and show uh, tweets, uh, and, and instead of that, show the the to Tango uh, activity streams. Right. What um what type of uh, technology did you use to build to Tango? We use a mix of technologies, but basically uh, our backend is Java. Um, hosting is uh, Amazon, as I, as I mentioned before, EC2, S3, SNS, SQS. You know, if there is a service of Amazon, we probably use that uh, or <laughs> using that already. We got, we also got hit by the Amazon. Oh, the Amazon app. outage. Yeah, yeah, we got hit. Um, so the backend is Java and. Uh, Part of that is just you know pure Java and Jetty, and part of that is Hadoop for data processing. Uh, the front end is GWT, GWT. Um, through uh, REST API, uh, our reporting currently is, as I mentioned, our PHP, our backend database is S3, our front end database is uh, MySQL. Great. So it sounds like a smorgasbord of technologies there. It must be must be a great company to work for. I encourage many people that are, you know, uh, in Israel to come and work for us. <laughs> well, speaking of that, what is the startup culture like in Israel? Israel has a very vivid startup uh, uh, community. I actually uh, host the Lean Startup Israel, uh, but there are many other folks who are, you know, not only running startups, but also running groups that, you know, encourage people to build startups. Um, and um, we also feel the bubble in Israel right now. <laughs> I see. So, so you're so you're in that kind of bubble state where people are probably overvaluing things. I, I see this from a different direction. There are people who are not willing to come uh, and work for us because there is a travel of ten minutes. So, oh, I see. So this means something. But but I'm I'm joking. In any <laughs> case, uh, I think uh, we have many companies in Israel. Yeah, consumer companies uh, are very hot. Uh, many data analytics and then big data companies are emerging now uh, uh, in Israel. And as always, security and uh, you know gadget technologies are are still very hot. So uh, a mix of uh, very interesting things that are you know happening. So to, from an education point of view, does Israel have like great tech colleges? Is that is that what, why this is all happening? There is great education, and also there's the the army who has uh, many uh, technology units, and and people who are out of these technology units uh, at a very young age have a lot of experience in very um, you know complex technologies, and they can apply that to you know the the, the general market. Do you think you're at a disadvantage or an advantage being in Israel? I mean, I would think that in one sense you'd be, you know, you you hear always hear people. Are, or companies can be at a disadvantage not being, say, in the valley. But I, I also think that by being sort of out on an island, um, that you have a little more, I don't know, I, I would say that you're just not distracted as much by what's going on, you know, by the 10 companies down the end of the block. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's a very it's a very uh, big question and an important question. The reason I'm saying that because I think there's no single board uh, within Israel that doesn't have this question. Uh, you know, almost every meeting, when or if you're going to open uh, or move the headquarters to the valley. It's it's right. it's a very important question because the market is 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 most of the market is here. Many things happen here. The trend is being defined here here is in in the u.s in the valley uh which is where i am right now and um however um running a company at a lower cost uh with very talented people and 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 using the global uh you know technologies which you know make things much smarter these days is also an option so i guess there is no right answer it is very depending dependent on the on the industry and the maturity of the industry, there are very successful companies which are run from Israel, while others uh, use, uh, in most cases, the split mode where management, uh, marketing, sales are run from the U.S. and engineering is is being done in Israel. Uh, for us specifically, we're currently uh, focused in Israel because we first want to build the company culture and you know make sure that we're. Uh, one of the good things about uh, being co-located is that you can you know, make decisions and, and execute it not very, very fast. Um, however, our traveling schedule is extremely busy. Is this your first startup? Like your, your first kind of solo uh, yeah. funded startup? Yeah, this is my first startup as a CEO and a, and a founder. I've been working with many startups at various positions in, in the past, but but, you know, Doing that myself, this is the first time. Well, it sounds like you're doing a, doing a great job. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your uh, your customer acquisition strategy? I mean, you know, with Tatango, you know, you, you have a powerful tool for optimizing what you do with existing customers, but there's the step before that, which, of course, is finding your first customers. I mean, how, how have you found your, your first set of customers and what are your plans for, for getting more? Yeah, so the, the, this is uh, an interesting story. The first uh, set of customers was my partner Romer. He he uh, he bought this uh, license from LinkedIn and simply you know looked at startup companies, looked for specific roles. Uh, I mean SaaS companies, specific roles. Sent them this presentation. Look, this is what we do. Are you interested? If yes, let's talk. And you know, and it was very successful. However, it's not wow. that sca- it, it it was not that scalable. And uh, what we're going to do uh, uh, pretty soon is we're going to launch a, a website and we're going to start running uh, web campaigns. Uh, we also have a very good uh, story with integration with you know, many, many other companies. And, and uh, we're going to work on this channel uh, as well. But mainly we're going to you know, use the web to, to run campaigns around uh, you know, and the, the right communities, which are... SaaS companies, web services companies who struggle with uh, really understanding their customers, improving their um, sales uh, processes, and, and making sure their customer continuously get the right value. Okay, well, I have a couple questions about that. Okay, so the first one was, you said you purchased a license from LinkedIn. How much does something like that run usually? I think it's like, I don't, I don't remember, but, you know, maybe $100 or $50 wow, that's a month. It. So that sounds like a really good way to get started. I mean, right? You said maybe it's not scalable, but if you're trying to get, you know, whatever, 
50 or 100 really high quality initial customers? Is that is that what you would advise it for? Did you use it for your initial re- research phase? So basically you use LinkedIn to find the SAS, the SaaS people and basically present to them your ideas and then that's the, your kind of yeah, the, company the, market research. Yeah, there's this feature of in-mail within LinkedIn where you can send mails to people within LinkedIn. So it, it is not open. I don't There's some kind of limitation for the free version and if you want to send you know, emails to more than five, or I, I don't remember the limitation exactly, uh, then you need to pay them. Uh, but but it's, it's, these are, it's, it's not a high amount of money and, and you can easily, uh, you know, work with that. Um, the good thing about SaaS companies is that, um, you know, they, they, they uh, struggle like the rest of us to, uh, to get their name out. Uh, so there are SaaS directories uh, where SaaS companies are being... Uh, uh, published there are events there are you know if you want to find a SaaS company it's not that difficult to you know let's say project management SaaS you google that and you see I don't know 50 80 100 companies which are relevant to our uh, are part of uh, our target market so I guess it's not you know I just think that by uh, the challenge is not just to identify the potential customers but also uh to uh, make sure that we're doing this in a very efficient way uh, and we're uh, keeping our customer acquisition cost uh, uh, low. Uh, and for this reason, we need to build um, this uh, inbound marketing uh, capabilities, which we, working, we are working on right now. And we're going to start uh, um, you know, executing that when we, when we launch within a few weeks. What, what does that mean in inbound marketing? Inbound marketing basically, um, means that, um, you are making, you're triggering web activities to ensure that people will come to your website. And from then on, you have this, uh, self-serviced flow within your website to make sure that customers are, you know, signing up to your trial version and starting to try your product and, and so forth. So I was just going to say, well, yeah, because one, one of the things, I mean, I, I had started to build an app, something like Tatango. And the main reason why I had built it was because I wanted to track people from the entire life cycle. And the idea was essentially to create a link tracker as well. So basically you could do the short link tracking and you could, you could capture people coming in who were maybe clicking links within Twitter or within Facebook or wherever. And then you set a cookie on their machine and you could track them all the way from your first touch into uh, basically into your app and then get an insight. There are also products within the marketing automation space which are doing exactly that. And we complement this process by looking at what they're doing once they're starting to use your service. But but obviously this is, I mean, I'm talking about this as, as it is so trivial, but the reason I'm saying that is because this is, Almost uh, a pattern all of, all of our customers are, are doing. This is how they're getting their uh, leads and, and, uh, and try to uh, and, and run a process to convert those into uh, prospects and, and eventually into customers. However, this is a very um, you know, difficult task to you know, make sure that this entire process is at the end of the day profitable. So the amount of uh, money you're spending on an individual customer, the customer acquisition cost, pays off after a few months of subscription and this is where your business um you know model is being proven and you can scale 
the way you're uh, building your your business however getting there uh, is it's very tedious you need to run so many tests and and uh, and and then start to optimize you know, to reduce costs increase the customer lifetime value and and you know we this is exactly where uh, we're building our product too and this is what we are practicing on ourselves so we're like a start a, a SaaS square company we're using that and and uh, implementing that and, and also providing solutions for that would you start we talk about marketing marketing campaigns i mean do you have anything specific in mind yet are you planning to use a, what google adsense or facebook or do you have anything that you've tried or that you that you discovered will work pretty well uh no no i i, I cannot say that i really uh you know have a good sense of that uh, because we we haven't started these activities but uh I can tell you that you know, from our lean startup uh, perspective, uh, we're simply going to uh, you know run some uh, campaigns through various channels and 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 start to track that and see what works right. for us. Well, right, right. And one thing that I found that uh, one thing I've noticed is that you you have a really uh, refined design, and I'd be curious. I mean, was this something that you outsourced to a design firm, or is this all built in house? Yeah. First, I'd like to thank you for that. <laughs> this is something that I personally spend, I think, at least fifty percent of my time on. Uh, no, uh, we actually done this uh, in house, and uh, we are one of the one of the reasons that I, I guess we are getting there is because we we are constantly not satisfied with our design, and we keep improving that. Uh, all the time i'm 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 the pixel ceo or something like that i'm the pixel police <laughs> i i constantly uh <laughs> yeah i constantly try to 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 improve that so it's a, it's a great compliment and i really like that uh, you're saying that um we work with uh, we we have uh, a designer a graphic designer however there is a uh, this process internal process that we are running with a ux designer and a graphic designer and our product owner and myself to refine that and you know make sure that it it was clear to us that it that in in a in a service which is about data is extremely important to try and make it as simple as possible because you can present all those graphs and data in front of customers but you know they will not get it so let's try and make it as simple as possible and this is you know there are several concepts that we use what we call you know, something like a word, a paragraph, and, and or how did we call this? A word, a sentence, and a paragraph. Let's try and, and everything, try to summarize into a single word and then to a, to a paragraph, to a sentence, and only then to a paragraph. And depending on the role of the user, uh, if it's manager, probably want to read just one word. And if it's, uh, you know, someone else and doesn't have time, just want to get the picture within one sentence. And if someone else wants want to drill into the details, then let's have this within, you know, a paragraph. So it's just an, a, a metaphor, but, you know, we're trying to apply that throughout the product. So Guy, before before this um, interview, I'd had some emails back and forth with your, your team and um, you guys have set me up with an account and I decided I was going to wait and see what the interview went like and then that determined on whether I was going to kind of really try it out. But you've definitely sold me on it. So I'm going to I'm going to fully integrate to Tango with Plugio and I'm going to keep our listeners updated over the coming months of the of, of the value and the usage that I get out of the Tango. 
Thanks very much. <laughs> well, what um, if uh, our user, if our listeners, I should say, are interested, um, is there a way for them to participate in your beta program? Sure. We are, we're calling this a closed beta, but essentially uh, anyone who has a SaaS uh, or a service, which, you know, we have the right solution for, we'll, we'll let you in. So just, you know, go okay. to uh, com and, and uh, give your, um, your email address and, and we'll contact you uh, very, very, very soon. And I'll provide you with the credentials and, and so forth. We are, we have this initial validation phase where we just want to make sure that, you know, you really have the problem that we are trying to solve. We don't want to, um, you know, create uh, wrong expectations. And from then on, you, you'll be able to get in. Great, great. Well, yeah, it sounds really exciting. I'm very interested to hear uh, how Tatango works for uh, Plugio. Because I think we, we spent a lot of time in the show talking about A-B testing and uh, how to find new customers, either through affiliate marketing or SEO. But then there's like, okay, now you've got someone signed up for your service. Great. <laughs> how do you know if it's going to work out or you're going to lose them so this is a really nice compliment to uh to those discussions yeah. to those tools i agree i had some some calls with analysts and, and and they see this in the same way i mean companies spend tons of uh, time and energy and, and resources on getting uh you know potential customers on board and then they have this black uh black period where they don't really know what what's really going on once they use the service and this is a little bit absurd and we're you know we're here here to help for that well one one thing i've noticed with plugio is that the the heavy users are also the users who can who if i dialogue with them and call them up and get on the phone they're the ones who will then push it out to get me new customers as well so i think this is also a tool that can be used to help people find new customers uh, i totally agree i i think you know, one of the features uh, that, you know, we keep thinking about is, for example, reflecting to customers their progress within your service. So in, not just, you know, for you to understand what's, you know, going on with your customers, but also let them understand what's their progress within your service, which will encourage them to explore more and understand what they're missing. You, you can think of that like, you know, you could have created some kind of a bad system like Foursquare based on progress and, and, and show that to the, to the customer. So it doesn't have to be, you know, a game-ish, but you still can, you know, um, uh, let the people understand where they're staying, uh, where, where they stand within your service and, and get them to try something new. And, and you, you'll be amazed at how effective it is. So sort of like um, LinkedIn, the, the way that as you fill up your profile, it goes from 0% to 100%, that little green bar. Yeah, so, so, something like that. Or like, you know, if you're a uh, Salesforce.com user, you'll see that the first dashboard that Salesforce shows you is your uh, usage within Salesforce, not not about anything else. How many uh, of your agents actually used Salesforce? Uh, it's also similar within Dropbox. So this concept is uh, seems very powerful, and and you know we're working with some customers on you know uh, prototyping the the first uh, bit of that, but you know we we have a lot of good ideas on how to take this information and, and create value out of that. It would take us some time to get you to the entire vision that we see, but, um, you know, we see a long way. You know, the, the one other thing about this, uh, this whole, um, I guess this tool, this, even this, this category of tool and particularly into Tango is that it could be used to create, um, to transform users who are about to become disenchanted or disillusioned with the product to, um, super spreaders or evangelists. So like, 
it almost be what you term customer rescue. <laughs> so if a customer is is crashing, it's almost like you imagine like in their ER and their EKG starts going down or and uh, they're like, oh, yeah, we're losing the patient, right? Well, that's <laughs> when you jump in, right? That's when you jump in, you call them up and say, listen, I, we've noticed that, you know, you're, you're, that we, you might be having some problems or difficulties with the product. Please let us know what we can do to help you out. And if I, I know as, as, a, as a customer of, you know, of various services that if I was starting to get frustrated with the service and then I actually got an email or phone call and said, listen, you know, and, they, and, they, and they told me they were going to help me out and they actually solved my problem, I'd be like, these guys are awesome. Right, I'd want to tell everybody about them because they they flipped it for me, and uh, you, that almost never happens. Exactly. I, I mean, as a, as a you as a as a customer, you want to get the feeling that you know the service provider really understands you, right? Yeah, you want them to, exactly. to talk to you within the context of of you know you were frustrated, so they are you know relating to your frustration. They are not you know calling you and you know waxing you around with you know stupid answers right they they, they are focused on on your frustration and, and and they are helping you and you are grateful once it once it happens and you are becoming the number one champion for this business and this is exactly you know the philosophy behind what what we're trying to say we're saying SaaS is good because within SaaS, you know the model is that the SaaS vendor has to uh, must make sure that the the, the customers continuously uh, gain value out of the service. And we're going to help them do that. Right. It's like the science of customer rescue, <laughs> you know, <laughs> turning, uh, you know, disillusionment into, um, uh, uh, what was it, evangelism, <laughs> something like that. But, uh, well, you know, Guy, we really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, telling us all about Tatango. This is a really cool product. And um, I, I'm excited to hear about it. Um, I'd like to hopefully get a chance to use it at some point down the future. So, um, very cool. Very cool. Really looking forward to using it as well. You know, we're, we've just started probably there are, you know, things that we'll need to improve and fix and, you know, let us know whatever we wanted, uh, what's not working for you or needs to be improved. And we'll be, you know, we publicly discuss that and we'll do our best to improve that. Awesome. Great. Great. Well, we wish you uh, guys the best of luck, and uh, we'll hopefully um, talk to you again sometime in the future once you have uh, have your millionth customer or something. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much. Uh, much appreciated. All right. That's a wrap. We're out. <laughs>